Welcome to Higher Tech, powered by CodeUp. We're a podcast about hiring entry-level technical talent for your teams. It's where we interview new developers, data scientists, cloud professionals, and the people that hire them. I'm your host, CodeUp CEO and lifelong developer, Jason Strahd. In today's episode, we are speaking with Minak Barthen, Digital Platform and Applied Intelligence Associate Director at Accenture Federal Services. Welcome, Maynard. Hey, Jason. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you here. I'm fascinated. It's going to have to be a great, a great conversation. Every time we chat, it's a great conversation. And to get one that we can record, I'm, I'm excited about. Absolutely. No, uh, it's been, uh, it's been what, five, six years since we've partnered together and working closely with you. So it's, uh, it's, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. So, you know, Accenture Federal Services and Maynock has, has been an employer partner of CodeUps for many, many years. And while I know you and, and, and what you do and what Accenture Federal Services has done and what you, you know, they do, can you give our, our listeners just a brief understanding of what a digital platform and applied intelligence associate director does and what Accenture Federal Services is? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's start with Accenture Federal Services, right? So a uh, wholly owned subsidiary of the larger Accenture, right? Uh, the GLAC, the go that Accenture is, um, approaching 700,000 employees worldwide, which is pretty phenomenal. When I started, it was about 120,000. So we have uh, we have grown a little bit, right? So all good stuff there. So basically, you know, Accenture consulting company uh, focused on delivering technology solutions, um, management consulting strategy solutions, to the world's biggest companies and most important organizations, right? And so Accenture Federal is focused on the U.S. federal uh, agencies, right? So we're at all 15 cabinet-level agencies that everyone, all your listeners, everyone knows about in the you know hierarchy of presidential power. But then there's a there's an entire uh, group of you know agencies and organizations that are just under that NGOs, non-government organizations that we support too, right? So. Uh, you know, Accenture Federal, wholly owned subsidiary, like I said, uh, headquartered in Arlington, Virginia, and uh, about 12,000 people uh, in Accenture wow. Federal, which is pretty awesome. So my role here is, so we have a few technology centers across the, uh, we have over 50 across the globe, but we have two actually here in the U.S. that are focused on our uh, federal clients, right? Because we don't like to do, uh, the government doesn't like to do technology work overseas. So here in St. Louis, where I, uh, sorry, San Antonio, where I'm based, and then we have a new one in St. Louis. I'm, I'm so excited about St. Louis. I, 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 I dropped that one. But here in San Antonio, we have over about 2,000 people that are, again, focused on our federal clients, hands-on keyboard development, testing, program management, infrastructure support, data analytics, uh, data science type work. Um, so my role is kind of twofold, right? I own our client work in a specific portfolio. Uh, you know, uh, we kind of are separating into three to four different portfolios. I own that portfolio. There's about a thousand people that are aligned to that. And then from a technology side, I own digital platforms. So digital platforms for us is things like Salesforce, ServiceNow, Microsoft, um, and then all our analytics, ETL, um, and data science type work. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, when you think about 
when you talk about your particular group of federal services being 12,000 of 700,000, 12,000 yeah. is still a big company. Like yeah, it's a small company, right? Yeah. Like in, the, in 700, that's amazing. But you guys are touching almost every part of the technology life cycle, whether it's from the hardware all the way in networking through, like you said, data science and so machine learning and you know, AI and the different predictive analysis that comes along with those for every household name, government agency almost, and then probably some that we've never heard of. Uh, right. That's that's pretty impressive. And it sounds like there, it, it's a big tent for technology. So you, you must have specialists in wildly different roles and generalists that are coming in every day to, to pick where they want to go when they grow up. How how does that org think about with, with technology constantly changing? What is it that you think about and that your org does to 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 do what you just described? That's 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 pretty phenomenal. Yeah, no, it's a great question, and it's something we really pride ourselves about on. And I think it's all about investing in our people, right? Investing in them to reskill and upskill, right? We spend about a, as Accenture Global spends about a billion dollars a year on training just on training, right? So that's, again, reskilling, upskilling our folks, right? The kind of, if you think about consulting in general, right? Going up a, a level, 50,000 foot level, we are being brought in by the world's best organizations, in this case, the federal government, who really are good at what they do, what their mission is, right? But they have, they have uh, a problem, right? They have a, a, a need and we're brought in to help with that. So our folks have to be uber talented in, all parts of, you know, like you said, the technology lifecycle, but in, you know, technologies that you and I can't even spell yet, right? So we have to invest in our people. They might not use that today. It might not use it tomorrow or next month, but we're building up that skill set to do ML, AI, Python, you know, uh, these advanced things in the, especially in the, in the federal space. So um, that's again part of my role, right? As a tech, uh, as a leader of technology, to see where some of these things are going, some of these platforms are going, and then getting our people skilled in them, upskilled or even reskilled. Uh, thank you for that. It's it's great to understand at least a little bit more about this really large organization. Of course, Accenture is a household name, especially in in technology. And know more about AFS and what you're doing more specifically in your role. And that kind of leads me to my first question about, you know, you interested in you as the guest. So, so is there like, you know, you're walking around with your family in the grocery store one day and you look up at mom and you're like, mom, I think I want to be a digital platform and applied intelligence director. Uh, and, and I want to work for federal government agencies, helping them build technology. Um, I mean, how old were you? Was this like nine, 10, 12? Uh, I'm, I'm still, uh, you asked a question earlier, and I think this is a, a theme that as I was uh, thinking about this is what I wanted to be when I grew up. I still don't yeah. know. And that, and that's okay. Right. So for all listeners and everyone out there, it's okay. I'm still trying to figure out, I'm still, I'm sure you're still trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah. But to your question, right. Um, I, I grew up, in, I I'm in technology and kind of a non-traditional path, I'd say, right. Traditional in the sense of, I uh, got a four-year degree from a great institution, um, Boston University, but that degree was in finance, accounting, and political science, right? My, my mom has worked in finance on Wall Street for 40-plus years. Uh, finally, I think she's getting the, uh, the re retirement bug, so got grandkids now. So 
she, she's lived, she's lived that, you know, our dinnertime conversations were about the market that day and the wall street journal article, right. Growing up. So I wanted to, to go into finance and then, you know, as you got into it, as you kind of, you know, got into different courses, different classes, and then even seeing what that finance industry was all based on, um, it was technology, right? It was technology at the backbone of it. Sure, they might be a little bit behind in certain instances of, you know, from a privacy and security and all that perspective, but all the, the backbone of all that was technology. And so that's what kind of drew me into there. I started with Accenture out of New York. So you can imagine the type of clients that we had, financial services, healthcare. But then I got on a uh, project with the mayor at the time of New York City, Mayor Bloomberg, and he just had a very unique and distinct, at least that, at that time, view of technology, right? He's made his billions in, uh, in technology and, and helping, and helping uh, the financial services industry. But he brought that approach, that technology-first approach to City Hall, right? So we got on a project to help, you know, and NYPD, FDNY kind of build out a system that would, um, you know, kind of help procure things. And um, it just, that's been the story of my career, just trying to, ever since I've been in public service and, you know, got on a, uh, a state and local project and then eventually federal. Um, and then I've been in federal for the last 10, 10 or so years, um, really helping you know, our you know, different agencies, different governments, uh, different government agencies achieve their mission, right? And do it a little bit more, a little bit more streamlined. Yeah, that's really interesting because you say, you know, I had a unique pathway to tech. And, you know, frankly, I hear that from almost everybody, except for the folks that like got the, the CS degree from MIT. Right. But then typically their story is I went through a boot camp or I self-taught or I had a neighbor that taught me. When you say you had a unique path to technology, it wasn't that you were trying to break into the tech industry. Mm. At least that's not what I'm hearing. You were going into the finance industry. You had no problem yeah. getting into a college, going to get a degree. It wasn't that access to tech to get into tech was your issue. It was once you got there, you had the realization that technology was the, the cool thing in the mix that, that sounds like it more got your hook. And then seeing a leader like Bloomberg, Institute it in a way that you saw had an impact. It sounds like that's where the spark for you happened. For you know, for me, it was watching Tron as a kid. Like you know, seven year old, eight year old me watches this movie. It's like I want to do that, and I, I wanted to be a computer programmer. You found it in your career. Is that fair? Or am I not hearing this correctly? Yeah, no, it's fair, right? And it could be in like internships, those type of things where you just get exposure to things, right? So again, another, I love my bumper stickers. So I'll throw some out here and here and there, but just exposing yourself to what, you know, I was a finance guy, investment banking, was going to do that. But then at the end of the day, as in internships, I saw everyone's in technology, like, you know, that is the future. And the other thing that kind of opened my eyes was, that there are other roles than other than just developing hands-on keyboard coding and things like that that caught my interest. Right? I don't think uh, I was too far into my uh, uh, college career to change to something like a CS or MIS, but uh, I could use my background in things like finance and communications and even political science and use those skills that I've obtained to have a career in technology because there's a wealth of different roles and opportunities in technology, even outside the hands-on keyboard development side of it. 
I love that. And, and I'm hearing uh, another word that I, uh, I use on a lot of these is what I, it seems to be a common thread between folks that found their way into technology is I'm hearing this, this curiosity, right? Like it wasn't that you were just showing up and doing your check boxes and going home, but it sounds like you're showing up with this curiosity, right? What makes this tick? How can I grow? How can I learn more? What is behind the curtain? Finding technology and then being curious about it. And how do I how do I bring to bear what I already know so that I can learn and grow more? Is that innate in you? Is that something the center taught you? Where does this curiosity come from? Do you think? I think it's a combo, right? I think it's uh, I, I think I've always been curious, right? Using the root of that word, uh, always been curious and learning new things. Plenty of books and things like that behind me, right? That I uh, kind of lean into, but then. You know, being here again, you have to, uh, you're being brought into a world class organization, right? And trying to help solve their problems, right? Trying to help uh, fill a need for them. Um, so you have to be curious. You have to. And that's the other thing I, I, I really loved about consulting is that, you know, from project to project, it's kind of like a new job, right? You're kind of having to um, get a sense of, you know, the environment of the new place that you're in potentially in the same, uh, you know, sector segment of the market, but, you know, simple things like acronyms and, and just learning those type of things. It's kind of new and exciting and you just, it's not the run of the mill type of, you know, nine to five. So, um, and, and our clients are looking to us for insights too, right? So they're just not do this and do that. They're like, okay, here's our problem. How can we solve it? Right. And that's really the core of, of all technology, isn't it? Is problem solving. It, it, it's, it's the real thing. We, we put too much, I think, sometimes in the tech. And really, it's we're, we're solving problems. And, you know, it's real interesting. I keep hearing from you, even describing your work at this really large organization, at least compared to the ones I'm used to working in, is this, this helpfulness, this helping the customer. You're, you're in these great organizations. You're trying to make them better and help them solve their problems. It's almost like distilling that down. It's this belief that I that I view sometimes is no software has ever been written that didn't have a human being at the end of it, right? There's always a human at the end of all technology. We don't make technology for anybody else. Uh, it's for humans. And you go, oh, we made tech that feeds the dog. No, that's actually so the human doesn't have to feed the dog. How important is staying focused on that end user, that helpfulness? in the field of technology it's what it's all about right um especially again uh kind of bring it back to where I, where i grew up and where i live it's consulting right so oftentimes you're working with or your your main business owner or your main decision maker are potentially folks that might be a little bit removed they're executive c-suite folks they might be a little bit removed but one thing that i think we've really done over the last say four or five years not that it wasn't a, a focus before but we, we've gone to this model of coming in and saying, okay, what is that North Star? What is the art of the possible? What do you want this process, this system, this whatever we're here to do to be one day, right? Um, and again, it's not going to happen overnight. These things take time. But what is that North Star? Instead of doing, you know, an as-is to be kind of um, poo-pooing on what they have today and then going on to the future, let's start with your North Star, right? And hopefully and in a lot of cases we push them push our folks to that is what is the end user need and want right how is this going to impact them how is it going to streamline what they're doing 
How's it going to, you know, take away maybe some redundant work? Can we automate that? Right. Um, and then use that brain power, that human element to, you know, human machine to do that, you know, intense, more mindful type tasks. So, so much of what you're talking about, at least in my mind, goes against almost the stereotypical belief of what people in technology look like and do. Right. I think that people that I, I know outside of our industry, they think that we're just sitting in front of keyboards, you know, hammering away, you know, sterile code that has no creativity or artistic stuff behind it. And you're talking about being curious and being helpful and, and doing what you can to help people get to their, their goals and their North Stars and achieve problem solving for them. This probably resonates with a whole lot of people that don't think any of those things fit into technology. And there's probably a bunch of others we could talk about too. But I mean, kind of help demystify that for us. You've now been doing this for a long time. You came from finance where it really was kind of a sterile, or at least I assume it is. I'd see, there we go, being stereotypical, kind of the, yeah. stero the sterile numbers-driven environment. But you're not talking about numbers-driven. You're not talking about ones and zeros and servers and, and the new model of whatever. You're talking about all these very human characteristics. Like, how do you talk to that person that, that doesn't see that part of technology, that doesn't see the helpfulness, the curiosity, and those traits they might have to bring to bear? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, right? And I'll come back to what you might have even you said, but I'll say it a different way. It's all about the end user, right? Think about that person. Think about our you know, daily use of technology. Two, three years ago, could we be doing this virtually? You and I would have to be in a room downtown San Antonio, right? And doing this, have all this equipment, but now we're able to do it, right? So how has not only technology impacted, you know, the way we go about our, our daily lives, but then even work life, right? So I think it all, all comes down to, to the person at the end of the screen or the end of the, the phone or the end of the tablet, right? Are we making that a little bit better, a little bit less um, cumbersome to use whatever they're trying to do, right? No, it's great. And so, you know, you've, you've spent... I don't know how long have you been at a center federal now or uh, Central total like summer. Yeah. nice uh yeah. congratulations that's awesome Thank so you. you've spent you you've had time in the career you're a veteran of the career and you come in through a, go to college get a finance major and and, and political science but we're gonna yeah. for you know <laughs> forgive that uh and joking aside and, and you know had this journey it's interesting because, like I said, everybody has their unique way into technology, unless you went to Stanford or MIT CS program or something, right? But then it's kind of a given. But for everybody else, there's this really, and even they have an interesting version of, of how they get into technology. Certainly, that means that there's other people. And of course, if you listen to this podcast or others, you know that there's a whole diverse group of backgrounds of people that come into technology. One of the things that I'm really curious about is how the skills that you learned in finance and college around political science came to bear into your career. Cause I hear so many people tell me, well, I just did this before and now I got to go relearn everything. And I try to tell them if you were a barista and you put up with angry customers and you could fill 30 orders in a 20 minute period, believe me, you are bringing skills to our team that are going to be yep. valued and make us better. But how would you speak to your experience of bringing all these additional skills that they probably weren't looking for in a consultant in technology, but you were able to bring them forward? 
Yeah. And I think it comes down to, um, I'll throw a bumper sticker in later, but um, I think it comes down to a few different things. It's problem solving, right? So that barista, she's, uh, she or he is working through that. You know, there's a huge line. How do we streamline that? Probably suggested a few things. We should do this, this, and this, right? That is problem solving, right? That's being innovative, right? Did we throw the innovation word around a lot? Is this innovative? Is that innovative? Just skipping that second step in that process, maybe it was inefficient or there's a better way to do it. That's innovation. That's innovation that we you know experience every day. And the other one is what we call here living in the gray, right? Um, we're oftentimes not going to, people like myself are not going to say, do one, two, three, four, and five, and come to me when you get to six, right? It's, here's the problem. Here's maybe directionally, here's a compass, right? Of how to get to maybe the end, but I don't know, right? I, I don't, I, I, I'm not in the weeds. I don't have the map um, or else maybe I could do it, right? Or we could get someone else to do it. Um, but you have this unique skill set. Here's the problem. Here's maybe the direction to go down. And let's talk about when you get to a good place. So, you know, are you able to take that and kind of get a little bit closer? The other piece is you don't have to always get to the goal line, right? Are you, using my sports analogies, are you about 10 yards closer? Are you about 20 yards closer? Um, because then you might need to take a step or two back because you hit the wrong direction. And that's certainly okay, right? So I think it's, you know, those two things are super important. And then, you know, things like that, I think that, you know, are taught pretty well in school. And then, of course, that code up is teamwork, you know, that storming, norming, forming, it's going to happen be okay with it, embrace it, give yourself and other people some grace on it. But yeah, some of, some of those things, but the bumper sticker I want to throw in here is bet on yourself, right? Anytime how I've gotten to my career at this point in this uh, kind of leadership position is I've taken those challenges. I bet on my experience. I bet on my work ethic. I bet on, you know, that I would be able to figure figure it out, right? Again, maybe not immediately. Maybe I'll stub my toe and skin my knees a few times, but that's okay, right? Um, the you know the fail word isn't the F word anymore that we it used to be, right? So betting on yourself, betting on your background, betting on all those experiences, whether in retail, warehousing, Uber driving, right? Um, you know whatever it is, uh, those experiences have value. And it's just how we're going to bring it back, right? Um, you said the interesting thing that I tell, especially veterans uh, that I talk to, the word "just." You know, um, I just did this. I just did that. I was. I have a, a person on my team. Uh, we were talking about leadership and entry level position, and I asked him about some leadership. He was. In, I saw military in his resume, and he's like, "Yeah, I have a little bit leadership. I just trained a." platoon of 4,000 men. And, um, and I was, I, I stopped the interview and I said, leadership, we're going to check that box first of all. <laughs> um, but do not we'll use the word just, right? Because that is, he just didn't think that experience was applicable to what he would do, but it, it totally is right. It, it certainly is. So. Wow. It's great. Thank you for that. When I look back on my life, you know, they always ask me, what could you tell a younger version of you? There was this person throughout my, a lot of my life that just consistently told me, you're not whatever. You're not educated enough. You don't have the right degree. You're not the right whatever. You're not you know, fast enough, strong enough, smart enough, whatever it was. And it was always me, 
right? It's not like I had this horrible friend that just followed me around telling me that I wasn't good enough or I didn't have the right degree or I didn't do whatever. It was this dude. And, you know, I tell people to get out of their own way. I like your way of kind of saying it differently, which is bet on yourself. But it's kind of, it seems like the same, the same way of looking at the same problem, right? That, okay, I might not be the best human being on earth to do my job. Probably not, right? Elon Musk could probably step in and run code up 10 times better than I could, a thousand times better, whatever. I don't know. He didn't show up. I did, right? And throughout so much of my career, I probably wasn't the best person on earth to do that job, but I was the best person that was there. I was capable of doing it. It was hard. It was challenging. I had to learn and grow. And to use some of the words I've heard from you, I had to learn how to be curious, right? It really helped my career. I learned how to be helpful. That was a tough one for me because I was pretty cynical coming into the job market, right? Uh, and you used the word graceful. And I'm curious about that one because curiosity and helpfulness, these are ones that I've uncovered from multiple interviews, whether it's on a podcast or throughout my life or just meeting with people. But you talk about be, having grace or being graceful. That's a unique property that I, I, I've heard. And I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that. We love the word so much. We, our daughter is uh, middle name is Grace. Uh, so, awesome. uh, so yeah, no, it's it's all about um, you know. I'll use a different word, maybe a synonym, maybe not. Not an English major, but empathy, right? Um, you know, not only uh, I heard this somewhere on another podcast, but there's there's empathy, right? There's you know maybe feeling, maybe putting yourself in someone else's shoes, but then there's empathy with action, right? Um, saying, okay, that is a situation I can kind of, if, if I put myself in that person's shoes, what would have been done? And can I help? Can I getting back to the help and uh, getting back to there? But I think it all comes with grace, right? You have to um, not only give others some grace, especially these last few years of what everyone's going through, right? Just simple things like uh, if the drive-through line is taking a little bit too long. People are short-staffed. Are you able to kind of put your your timeline away and you know you're in this position you know uh, provide some empathy and some grace but then yourself too right you're oh, you are where you are and sometimes my other bumper sticker is bear be where your feet are right um you're in this position for a reason make sure that you're not only taking advantage of it but exceeding it to the uh, uh, best you know the most that it can be right the other big thing that I, I've learned uh, probably later on and what you, I'll ask the question that you ask yourself is, you know, all these accomplishments, you know, promotions, uh, acknowledgements from the outside, it really doesn't matter, right? It's all about internal, right? Are you trying to, what's that phrase? Are you trying to fill an internal void with an external factor, right? Um, so enjoy the process, right? To to Especially those starting out or um, you know, thinking about maybe a code up or a similar uh, type endeavor, enjoy the process. The graduation is going to be great. That end of course uh, project is going to be great, but really enjoy the process. And, you know, that's where you learn the most, right? I'm a New Yorker at heart. The promotions mean a lot to us, but if you take a look at it, uh, that promotion, that next day, I was kind of back on the grind, right? Um, so that, you know, that it's a split second feeling that process is what takes you through. No, I love that. I appreciate it. I've, I'm going to butcher it, but I have a business partner that, you know, reminds uh, everybody that he can often 
that external validation feels good, but it's not why we do what we do. And if you're doing it just to get the the external validation, then you're probably going to be disappointed. But it doesn't feel bad when other people notice that you're doing good things, whether that's for you or somebody else. And so I like the way that you framed it. It's important. And it's why we still do it, right? Why we still promote and why we still do those things and acknowledge. But it's it's your, I think you said, it's not going to fill any voids, right? It's long-term at least. Yeah. Uh, It feels good. It feels great. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel that great. You know, that feel good when your peers or your company or your org or whoever it is recognizes that you've done something nice. But if that's the only reason you're showing up, then, you know, fall in love with solving the problem. I like the way that you're really framing it and thinking about, but I appreciate your answer around gracefulness because it is so important. And I like that at the end, you talked about doing it for yourself. Because that's some of the biggest part about, I think, coming into technology is you're coming into a field where you will never truly understand it all. Anybody that's, there's no real experts. There might be people that just, we use the word expert because they know more than the average person will. But, you know, there's no true person out there that knows everything about a technology, even one specific technology. They might be the best of the world. They still don't know everything. And that's a wild industry because not only do they not know everything, but two weeks from now, there's going to be a new version that comes out that nobody knows about and it never ends. And by the time you become really proficient in one technology is being replaced by another one. I find that fascinating and wonderful. And I love it about our industry, but I can say that after being in it for, you know, 25 plus years, well, it's a privilege to be able to look back and say, I love the changes. But to that person that's coming into our industry, that's very daunting because it's like, wait a minute. It's not like history where once I kind of learn all the written pieces of the Battle of 1812, I'm an expert on it. Like it's new, it's changing all the time. I love that. Would you talk about bringing these things you've talked about to bear to the person that I think it's the most impactful with is that entry level person? Whether they came from traditional education, came from you've hired a lot of people from Code Up over the the last five or six years that we've worked together, and I'm sure through other organizations and programs like ours, and through traditional colleges and off the street, you 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 have to to create that size of size have a diversity of backgrounds of of entry level folks that are coming from different places that all have to end up at that same north star, going that same direction. So I'm curious, how do you approach that? I, yeah, we said it a little bit, but it's exposing yourself to as much as possible, right? Um, what I like to say to our entry level, and I've probably spoken about this, I, I code up a few times is, you know, at a firm like Accenture, that first role, that second role, even maybe that third role on a project is not going to, is not going to be the rest of your career, right? So it's, it's not only important to understand what you do like, right? So getting as much exposure and say, I really want to do that. I really want to do Python and it really speaks to me or Java is the best thing since sliced bread, right? It's also important to know what you don't like, right? Um, So, you know, if you're only doing Java and you've done it for the last five, six years, that's certainly fine, but have you branched out? Have you challenged yourself? Maybe maybe, Maybe start slow, right? Other object oriented languages, right? And then just going, going further and further. Because it'll a few things, right? It's uh, it, you'll understand, you know, what you did like and why you liked it a little bit more, right? But then also, kind of a little bit more perseverance, a little more grit, right? Like, hey, I got through that again. You know, 
uh, you know, the old saying, uh, probably follow the same Twitter feeds and things like that. You know, it's the hard times that you actually remember. And, you know, hey, I, I had no idea what Python was, what it was all about and all the libraries and things like that out there. But I figured that out. So I can figure this next thing out that I can't spell, right? I, I got through that and I was able to make a difference and, you know, have an impact on that program. Um, so expose yourself to as much as possible, getting a good understanding of what you really enjoy doing day to day, and then also what you don't like to do. Oh, I love that. It's a great answer. Just get on, get on board. Right now is the best time to get an entry-level position in technology anywhere around the yeah. world. Jump in. And then I love it. Figure out what you like and figure out what you don't like. And it can take time and it's cool. I remember, yeah. The other thing you talked about that I I really just want to touch on for me was, you know, that third or fourth time, fifth time that you do something and you have to go learn something new and it works. Dude, I remember like having to be taught the technology and like, then I go to the job and I'm barely able to do it. The people around me are having to prop me up and I finally get to where I could do the thing I do decently. And then, yeah, it was kind of like, well, go learn this new thing. And they dropped the, the, you know, the, the docs on me and it's, well, learn this. And on Monday, you're going to start doing it. And I thought, I'm done. I'm done because I couldn't teach myself the technology I needed to get here. I, I, I mean, I, I, I taught myself the language, but I had to be taught how to do all of these things. And I remember going into there just with so much doubt. And I start reading the docs and I start writing it. It starts working. And like a week later, I'm just jamming this stuff out and it feels good. And that next time I was presented with learning a new technology, I had confidence, right? Like, and almost a little bit of, of this anticipation, like it felt yeah. good. Like I get to go yeah. learn this new thing. I'm going to, there's a tipping point. Once you get in, when you do decide what you like and don't like, when you do start building some confidence and some skills. And I tell people it's kind of like going from a cucumber to a pickle, right? You, you, you put a cucumber in vinegar and every day you can take a bite. It's going to taste like a cucumber for a long time. And then one day it's magically just going to taste like a pickle. When did that happen? I'm not real sure. But sometime in that, in that process, it changed and it just changed holistically and what it was to the point we gave it a whole new name. And I love watching people come through technology and make that transition to, I'm highly doubtful. I don't think I could do this. I'm not sure if I should be here, but I'll give it a try. I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to be curious. I'm going to give myself some grace. And then someday I pass them in the hallway and they're going like, oh, your Git branch conflicted with mine, but that's okay. You know, I did a rebase and everything's cool. And I look at them and I'm like, did you know what any of those words meant a year ago? Like, no, but you talk about, almost codifying this to a process when you're doing it at the levels that you guys are, right? It's not like you're bringing in onesies, whosies off the street, but even if you are, I think the principles are the same. How have you found, what advice would you give to a younger you or to a current you or to a manager that was you know, coming in to help you to get these entry-level people to bet on themselves once you've brought them in the door? Obviously, they did to get to where they were, but to continue to do that to implore these values that you're talking about and to maximize their, their chances of success of coming into this industry on your team. What do you guys do to do that? What do you do? Yeah. So I'm going to take my bumper sticker for betting on yourself and flip it around and say, bet on yourself as an organization, right? So uh, do you have what's in place? Like you said, the processes, the people, right? Um, the tooling, to uh, to help and foster and grow and 
basically bring someone through a journey in technology, right? You have to, right? Because, and if the answer to that question is no, then maybe there's some work to be done, right? But I I feel like we have put in a lot of, not necessarily uh, hurdles or stage gates or anything like that, but opportunities, right? For folks to gain feedback and and get a sense of how they're doing. Um, So, you know, one great example is, we have, you know, after they come through a program like Code Up, they go through additional training. We just get probably two to three levels deeper than what y'all do. And I totally get it. And that's fine. But in that process, we have what we call SMEs and professors who actually help them through this, right? Those people have a day job, right? They're developing and deploying and delivering for clients. But another side of their job is to help and foster and grow people. So I think, you know, having, Versus just an instructor per se, right? Person that's, you know, just there all the time. Having someone that's actually doing this nine to five or nine to four and then four to five, they're helping out um, has been a great model that we really, and the the great thing about that is we split up the, um, the burden of it, right? Because we have multiple people who are maybe really good at classes or really good at packages or those get, um, you know, uh, issues and uh, reconciliation issues really good at that. And then you have someone that's a class expert, right? So um, the burden is not as much on if you have just one person that's doing it all. Oh, I I love that. So on a really high level, I'm hearing be intentional about fostering was a word that you use. Be intentional about fostering entry-level talent and helping them grow. And a little bit of it to even turn the bumper sticker a little bit is as a company, not only betting on the company, but betting on them, right? They bet on themselves. You've hired them and now you've got, you need to help them grow and and foster that to, to get them to the level, not only where they can do the job, but they can do the job with you and with your team and to be, and to be a part of that. You're doing that through uh, uh, the other part that I like about this is partnering with more senior people, more experienced people in the organization. How do you identify who those people are inside your organization that help foster and grow more junior talent? For us, it starts at the project level. Everything's at the project level, right? Have they had a maybe informal mentor type relationship with um, someone on their project? Maybe they're just six months out of code up, right? But for some reason, and you know, maybe just the logistics or whatever the t- team makeup, um, now there's some more entry level, right? So now at six months, they're being looked at as veterans or you know, folks that are, are know everything. Um, did they embrace that, right? Did they uh, did they take that on and say, okay, again, I, I've been here six months, but here's what I know, here's what I've learned, and this is the way to do this type of process versus that, and you know. Uh, I think that it comes and then that starts to snowball, right? Now they've uh, now they've gotten a, maybe a lead developer, senior developer position a few years later, and now they're helping out with entire capabilities, right? So I think it it all starts small. And you know, one thing that I, I wrote down here that you mentioned earlier, it starts small, right? That the, the I love the cucumber pickle example. I'm going to steal it from you, but it started small, right? It started there's. Very, you know, I'm a numbers guy. Percentages, right? So maybe every one, every day, one percent, one percent closer to a pickle, one percent closer to a senior developer. That's what it's all about. And before you know it, it you're at fifty percent and sixty and seven. And it goes so fast. 
Yeah. And it's for real because our industry is growing so quick. There's so much open possibility out there that it really blew my mind how quickly I rose kind of through those different titles. And and it does three to four or five years of experience and you can do a lot. You have a, a it, it's almost in, to gain that kind of seniority as a surgeon, you probably have to do it for 20 years, 25 right. years before you're the senior surgeon inside your your ward or whatever you know in our industry you have three to five years experience at six months you're veteran three to five years yeah. you you yeah. know you are uh, a principal out doing incredible things or have the potential to be you don't have to be you don't have to rise through the ranks uh, we talked about this with a different guest that a lot of people and myself included for part of my career is quite happy getting to that software yeah. developer level and living there for a while but still growing through other languages the 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 person that's listening to this that's like i'm all these things that may not talking about I, I love problem solving i'm curious i'm helpful i don't have a background or a degree in technology and i know this is sponsored by code up and so the, you know of course they think we can go through their school and of course we think you can and get a career in technology and you obviously hire from us but outside of even code up what do you say to that person that doesn't have that traditional education degree or pathway that does fit the rest of everything we're talking about that wants a career in technology, you know, besides saying, well, they should go to code up, which I agree on. What are some of the, you know, the things that you would like to say to them? I'd say two things. One is uh, it's going to sound silly, but Google it, right? Just Google and see what, and maybe a free course, uh, no offense, Chase, what a free course out there looks like, right? Because that'll just, you know, if that speaks to you, if you're like, okay, I could get around this, I could, I have a, a good idea, a place like Code Up, a place like a ton of uh, out there, it takes that to the next level, takes that and interest to the next level. The other thing is talk to people, right? Talk to people. Um, you know, I think we in technology, I love your thoughts, Jason, on this, but I think we've shifted the mindset maybe the last five years, maybe a little bit more recent of being a more helpful hand, right? Um, where we're able, we're bringing in folks with those non-traditional backgrounds and being, you know, fostering and helping out. You know, one thing I love about Salesforce is that what they call the Ohana, right? That family, they're always reaching out. They're always, so uh, to the person who's, uh, take advantage of that, take advantage of that uh, network. Usually, you know, you might have a friend whose brother, whose cousin, whose hairdresser, whose dog sitter, right, Walker, is doing this for a living. Talk to them, right? You know, especially executives like us, we we love to talk about ourselves and our journey, right? So um, you're never going to find a, a shortage of that. But you know, really talk about talk to the few people who are doing this day to day, and you know, the the positives and negatives, right? Don't only focus on the positives, like the negatives too. Um, but again, I think it gets back to uh, get doing what you do, and then doing what you knowing what you don't want to do, right? And do you have to go get that CS degree to get into this industry? What are your thoughts on on going in a transitional way? If you're a, if you're an eighteen year old kid, I'm gonna tell you go to college, right? Yeah. Go to college, go get a degree, go be today, an engineer, go do well, something. I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat and over to speak over you there today, right? I, a few years down the line, my kids at least, I don't know if that's going to be the case True. anymore, right? So to your to your to your uh, original question, I think, no, I don't, you don't have to have a CS degree. Now that's always going to be, there's going to be a place for that, right. In the type of, you know, teams and things like that we have, but 
you know, the agile team that we have, that's 12 people, they're not all 12 CS degrees because it's, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't go well, right? You need that diversity of thought, that diversity of experience. So no, you don't need the CS degree. Um, you just honestly need a, uh, attitude and aptitude to, you know, hunger to be curious and, and want to learn and help people. You know, uh, the curiosity, I, I just don't know if we can say it enough. That seems to be a common thread throughout my entire career for people that made it in technology. It's just a curiosity, an insatiable curiosity of what's next. So you've been going through a list of bumper stickers. We're running out of time. Were there any bumper stickers you have on your desk that you wanted to, to get to that we didn't cover? The only other one, and uh, this might, I might be, uh, some folks might uh, have it is they might know where it's from, but it's, it's, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So take care of yourself, health, wellness, physical, mental, none of what we're talking about is possible if, you know, if you're not in a good place, uh, you know, physically and mentally. So take care of yourselves and then everything else kind of, I think, falls in line, especially if you bet on yourself. And that is so important. And I'm glad that I'm glad that I asked that open-ended question just to get that nugget because that, that that's a jewel. And when I entered, you know, my first job in 1993 to show my kind of age and how long I'm long in the tooth in this industry, nobody was talking about that. And tech was the place where you went in the you went in the basement with your big monitor that looked like a, you know, it was four feet deep, it felt like. And you know, your loud computer and you hammered on a loud keyboard for, you know, 20 hours a day. That was just kind of the way the game was. And, and burnout was, well, you got that within three weeks and you just lived in it. But seriously, today we have realized how important being able to use your entire brain and mind is for this. And what I tell people is we're not really paying you to sit at the keyboard writing code. We're really paying for you to solve a problem creatively and then sit down at a keyboard and codify it into a, a programmatic solution. But it's the problem solving that we're paying for. And if you're not taking care of yourself physically and mentally, then you're not able to perform at that level. And, and not, I don't mean from the company, like be a good employee perspective. I mean, for you as an individual, and I, I appreciate you pointing that out because people that are trying to enter a job in technology, it's super important for them to stay mindful of their physical and mental health in that journey because it can get hard. It's easy to just lean in, do the 14-hour days. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. That's a, a, I guess that that's a jewel for people to, to think about. Thank you for spending the last almost hour with us. Uh, this was going to be a long one. I appreciate it. I could go on for another hour, but um, we're going to spare you and the listeners and, and call this one uh, call this one a day. So thank you, Maynock. This has been a phenomenal and fascinating hour, and uh, I'm so glad that we did it. Anybody that wants to come work, uh, listen to this and said, I got to go. Work. I, I want to work with this guy or his company or this team. Uh, I'm sure they can Google Accenture Federal Services and find it. But, uh, how, you know, how, who are you looking for and how do they get a hold of the Central Federal Services if they're interested in coming and working in a place like yours? Yeah. So uh, quick tip, uh, careers.accenture.com and then uh, searching for federal because we tag all our federal roles accordingly, which is a great way to do it. Um, but looking for everyone. Right. So 
given our, our growth uh, in not only organizationally, but, you know, the uh, external and how fast technology is growing, um, you know, from developers. And I think that's the other key takeaway here is there's a lot of opportunity in technology away from just development, um, you know, with the advent of these platforms, you have configuration admin roles, um, of course, business analyst roles, you have a previous retail career, uh, a barista, you know, working, um, you know, uh, the line there, um, customer service, that type of thing, a wealth of opportunities. I honestly think there's something for everyone. It's just a matter of leaning into your experiences and not to uh, break the record, but uh, betting on yourself. I love it. And if you're not in technology and you think that you want a career here and you're not sure, there's no better testimonial right there that there's a place for you. And we need you here. And if you don't feel like you look like or, or have the traditional background or whatever, sound like or educated like the average person in tech, I'm going to tell you that's a positive and that we need you now more than, than before, because the more representation that we have, the better technology that we create, the more different ways that we bring problem solving to bear, because the people that use technology and the people that create technology are in a symbiotic relationship and they should be uh, more similar than they are today. And, you know, what I've heard from you, especially in the last, you know, portion of this last five minutes may not really solidifies that. And I appreciate you doing it. So go to careers.accenture.com. I get it right. Search yep. for federal. I love the tip. Uh, and you too could work at an amazing organization like you've heard about for the last hour. If you do uh, need help in that education process and finding your way into technology, CodeUp does offer multiple programs where we help you get the skills necessary to land a career in technology. And if you don't get hired within six months of graduation, we give you back your tuition. And Maynock has hired multiple of our graduates over time and hopefully will continue to in the future. Hundreds. Hundreds. Hundreds of graduates over the years. That is very true. And hopefully we'll continue to hire hundreds into the future. So uh, we'd love to talk to you too. You can find us at codeup.com. So Maynock, thank you so much for this last hour. It's been awesome. And, you know, I'd love to get you back on the show sometime in the future, but I'll let you, you know, uh, I'll let you go today. And thanks again for the last hour. Thanks, Jason. Thanks all.